0: So hello, oh, oh, here we are. Um, hi everyone, uh, welcome to this Finding the Funny Masterclass as part of BAFTA Guru uh, Live 2019. I'm Lucy Cave. Um, it's my privilege to be hosting this panel. Um, we've got producer, well, commissioner turned producer Lucy Lumson over there, and then we have Diane Morgan, writer, performer, and director, and we have. Um, Nida Manzor, writer um, and director as well here. They're going to be sharing their experiences about how they brought their projects to the big screen and obviously, more importantly, how they found the laughs. Now, so let's start at the beginning. How did you know you wanted to work in TV comedy? This is to all of you, whoever wants to speak first. Uh, well, I, uh, <laughs> well you, went, you, was, you went into stand-up
1: first, didn't you? Y- yeah, well, I went to drama school yeah. first with a view to sort of becoming a, a comic actor. But um, after drama school, I just, I just didn't get anything at all. So, so then I, I turned to stand-up.
0: And was it, did you go to telesales first of all? Is
1: that, what it... the, well, intermittently, yeah. I have, I've had shit jobs throughout <laughs> my whole life. Does that help
0: <laughs> your comedy, do you it think? It
1: definitely helps, absolutely. I think more than anything, having shit jobs has helped <laughs> uh, with the comedy and, and uh, finding characters and everything like that. Yeah, definitely. But I think the thing that made me go into... or want to go into comedy was watching... Uh, stuff on TV that I loved like Hancock's half hour and and Peter Sellers films and things like things like that just made me like oh my god this is brilliant this is the best thing I've ever seen but I didn't think oh I'm going to become an actor then it wasn't until I was like maybe 14 15 yeah where I started doing um, uh, drama classes at, at secondary school and I thought oh God I love this this I think this is something that I, I think I could do and I would do it for free. It's, I just <laughs> love it so much. And then but how did and then how did the stand up come about? Well, I, I got, went to drama school. Yeah, uh, East 15 for three years. And then after that, I did not get a sausage, <laughs> nothing for, for literally years. I was signing on, doing terrible jobs. And then one of those terrible jobs was a telesales job. Um, where I had to ring up people and ask if they wanted to change their accountant. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Most people would say something like, Fucking hell, i got out of the bath to answer this. <laughs> and I said, well, it's a shame you didn't slip and crack your head open, isn't it? And uh, so I'd be sort of offensive to people on the phone. And my boss would hear me and go, oh, you should, you should go into stand-up. <laughs> Did you hear me? <laughs> yeah, and I said, no way. It's the last thing I'd want to do. I can't think of anything worse than doing stand-up. But then 30 was looming. And I thought, I've really got to pull my socks up here and make something happen. And uh, so I, I gave it a go and it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. How did that even come up? Like, how did you start I'd, creating? I did a stand-up what... course. Okay. Yeah. And uh, where I met Joe Wilkinson. Yeah. And we started doing stand-up comedy at the same time. And uh, it, it was great. I quickly started earning money from doing stand-up. And I thought, why didn't I try this before? Yeah. Uh, so that, that, and then that, that's
0: how it kind yeah, of evolved and
1: Yeah, and then from doing stand-up, um, casting directors would, would come down and people would, would, would see me for things. Just from seeing me do stand-up, yeah. I got known. I suppose when you're, when you're an actor... You're just a line, a, a long line of, of actors that, that don't stand out from each other. Yeah. Whereas when you do stand up, you're using, you're capitalising all all the worst bits of your own personality. <laughs> so people go, oh, she's this kind of person. What did they so, say about you? you depressive, think? quite low key, you know, northern. <laughs> it, it's sort of like. It really highlights what you're selling as yeah. an actor. Yeah. So it was easier for them to cast you. Yeah. because they know. Oh, oh, I know someone like that. So I do stand up. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. Lucy, what about you? How did you? How did you kind of start your um, career?
2: Um, let me think. Uh, I think it's probably at university, Edinburgh University, which has a brilliant theatre called Bed- Bedlam. Help me out here. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do this. Bedlam Theatre in Edinburgh, uh, which was also a venue at the Fringe. This is a long time ago, before the Fringe was the Fringe. Um, and oh, stop forgetting.
0: Forget it. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I
2: didn't really do my degree very well, but I did a lot of theatre and uh, was always drawn to comedy. I always found drama a bit of a
0: <laughs>
2: Comedy's so so hard and mysterious and uh, interesting, about when when people laugh one night and they didn't laugh the next night, night. yeah. Um, so I think I caught the bug there. Do you want the, the
0: stick, Mike? Is that how, yeah.
2: And then, so after, after university, <laughs> um, I got a job at the comic strip with Peter Richardson and. Um, Pete Richens and Nara Park. And that was my, that was my break and that, yeah. was, that was great. And this really difficult thing of making comedy was suddenly real and on a, big, a bigger stage, stage in TV. So yeah, I got, got a bit lucky
0: there. What would you say was the kind of key thing that you learned or was it lots of things that you learned? Go was that your best training ground? Uh, still, when you look back, is that where you kind of yes, the most things? You yeah, I mean
2: it was an un, unusual training ground because they'd established themselves and were really trusted by the BBC at the time. So um, they, they were given they were given the whole series without anyone knowing what those individual comic strip films were. So it was a little bit. It was a great training ground, but it was an, a little bit of an illusion of how easy it was okay, to yeah. get something made. Um, but I, I think I learnt how very, very difficult it is as well. Um, and there were real hits and real misses in that, in those series because they were anthologies, you know, individual films. Um, so, yeah, just... Uh, I loved it. It was really hard work, but I really, really loved it. What did
0: you do? Did you just have to say, I'm going to do anything and
2: everything? Yeah, I started off as a production assistant, I mean, um, and just worked my way up. And yeah. uh, I'm working with Naira Park, who's now probably the top comedy film producer we have in this country, um, you know, learnt everything from her. So that was a great start, learning from someone like Naira.
3: Great. And Nida, what, what about you? What's your kind of progression? A progression, I feel like I'm very much still in the progression well, That's phase. good though, I think that's interesting. Yeah, um, I suppose, what did I do? I, I didn't study film or TV. I, I kind of studied politics and was making documentaries. And then I realized that's super serious. And you, you've got to have like some real metal to do that, which I don't have, so <laughs> that was done. Um, yeah, you know, I started off trying to get into writing. Writing, I did like a trial episode for EastEnders, There's like an EastEnders thing. And... Did you have to apply to
0: do that? Like how? Well,
3: like, I'd, I'd written a feature pretty early on, just off the back of just being at uni. And my tone was comedy, because I just loved comedies. Yeah. And it was, it was mainly films that I loved, like Coen Brothers movies. Tarantino films, Edgar Wright movies. Um, and I just totally... I just really liked saying what I had to say through comedy. So when I did my trial episode for EastEnders, it just came out like a sitcom. <laughs> and
0: like, I'd like to watch
3: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were like, we really enjoyed it, but you didn't, that, this isn't EastEnders. And I was like, it's fine. Um, so I started off writing kids TV, um, where I felt I could, be, I could lean into my comedy voice and just be silly. Um, which I realise is what I enjoy to do, because, you know, when, you, when you're a writer and you love writing, um, when you're writing something you can't write, it's worse than anything in the world, and you're, like, trying to write a melodramatic scene, like, desperate for a gag. <laughs> it's horrible. So that's kind of how you knew, really. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that's how I knew. But, you know, I started working as a runner and making my own shorts, just my, in my, my sort of tone as a writer and a director, and that really helped um, kind of show what I'm about. Quite early on, um, which then helped me get into sort of TV directing and started off doing sort of pilots for sort of new comedy voices. So I worked with Kaori Oumi, who did his show Enterprise, um, and Ambreen Razia for Hounslow Diary. So I was working with writer performers, getting into directing yeah. and before doing my own as a sort of writer director with Lady Parts. So it was a kind of, yeah, short films um, was my way in, I'd say. Where do you get, where do you get your ideas from?
0: <laughs> Can't believe you said that.
1: Where uh-huh. <laughs> 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 get your ideas from? F- uh, well, for me, it's uh, people that I meet. Characters. I think it always should start with a character. Yeah. You know, a funny person. Because then, if you've got a funny person, you can put them in any situation,
0: and things sort of happen to them. Do you all make? Do you all, like people that you know? Then sometimes go. You're not going to. You're not going to write about me, are you? Yeah, you're people gonna... always do that. <laughs> do they? <Yeah>. Well, hoping <laughs> that you right. No, no, you're, you're far too dull.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you keep notes? Like, how does it work? How does your kind of process work? I'm up here. Is It or just stays up there. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'll, I'll write things down or I'll... Um, I just
1: remember people. I, yeah. read, I remember characters. Yeah. Funny accents or
0: people, oddballs weirdos <laughs> yeah. keep a notebook of, of weirdos <laughs> notebook of waffles. Yeah. how important is it, I mean you talked about meeting Joe Wilkinson mm. how important is it to meet someone kind of early on who becomes a sort of creative collaborator with you, is that yeah. important? that really helps uh,
1: only because you've got someone else you can say, God isn't this awful <laughs> you know um, and uh, yeah he was in the same sort of but he hadn't been to drama school, but he, he really wanted to do comedy as well. And, and we both sort of hated doing stand-up, because <laughs> it, it's terrifying, obviously. So we, we sort of dreamt of doing uh, sketches instead. I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could do sketches, because then, you know we wouldn't feel physically sick every night of the week. (laughs) (laughs) And we could just dick about on stage and, you know. So we started doing sketches together and it was great fun. Have you got
0: any tips on finding any, or how you kind of find someone who's got the same sort of comedic sensibility? Just doing what you'd like.
1: instinct sort of draws you to certain things, doesn't it? Like I thought, uh, I thought drama school was the right way, but I don't think it was. I think I sort of—I didn't waste three years of my life because I <laughs> learnt things. Yeah. But I think I, I probably learnt more doing stand-up and and sketch uh, than than doing than doing stand-up than doing uh, drama school. <laughs> What was the question?
0: <laughs> how easy is it to... How do you go about kind of trying to find oh, a person yeah. who's got the same Yeah, so I think it's, 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 it's
1: um, being drawn to groups. Yeah. And then you sort of find your tribes, don't you? You find your, your people. Yeah. You just do. The more you get into exactly the right area that, that you're, you should be in, you, you're drawn... People are drawn to you, like, like-minded yeah. individuals. Uh, <laughs> oh
0: ah, blowing through her. Uh, um Lucy, what about you does it i mean it's slightly different for you because you're you're not kind of a performer as such but how do, do you have do you have people that you kind of you i mean obviously you have people that you trust that you work with how do how do you collate the yeah
2: i I often think it's sort of where who makes you feel? comfortable but inspires yeah i mean if you're not comfortable with with a gang it's hard to to really flourish and uh be your kind of best playful self yeah and i think that's really important i actually think it's important off off camera as well i'm al- i'm also uh conscious that you can collect people and then you'll only work with those people mm. so you've got to also keep a little eye open on who else is around but i do find there's there's like Connection. Everything I've done, there's a little connection, or there's a person, or and you meet a bunch of people, and then that will breed a, a fresh conversation. Um, and and any the advice I'd give to anyone is to keep looking out for those moments and don't don't let them pass you by because yeah. it's quite easy for you to sort of think. Well, I think we had the beginnings of a of a bit of a partnership, and then they've kind of gone off. Yeah, you know, make sure you keep keep up. With that person, because I, I really think that they're building those creative partnerships. You look through a lot of great comedy; it's usually two people yeah. at, at the heart. So yeah, um, yeah, really, really invest in those. I think
0: that's good, really good advice. What about you? Need to do you work? Is there anyone that you particularly work with?
3: Um, as a writer, I kind of work independently, but I lean a lot on and really feed off um, my producers in the case of lady parts like I have a really great producer and a sort of script editor um, script editor team who act as a kind of sounding board you know you know when you're writing a full series it's like that kind of sometimes sort of stagnating in ideas but like having someone who's feeding back excitement and like just really um, helping foster that space of freedom to do it because I feel like with writing comedy um, and especially if you're writing about something that's personal to you, when doubt enters in or worry enters in, it's hard to be funny. Um, So having a team around you which sort of foster kind of a safe space to be yourself is really important and has been really kind of important for me to to feel like I can write comedy when it's sometimes dealing with subject matter that can be difficult. so that's always been really key. I've never had a co-writer um, per se, or someone who's also writing with me. Although I've always like admired sort of team writers. I think that's really cool. But you know, I think that only really works when you find someone that you really get in tune with. But if you don't find that person, you have your own voice, and that's I think that's enough. Um, but I, I also really believe that to have sounding boards and people that you trust yeah. with your back is really key. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Okay, great. So Lucy, let's just talk about your your kind of career in a bit more detail. Right. So you've been, um, you were at BBC, you were kind of responsible for shows like Gavin and Stacey, Outnumbered, so many brilliant shows. Then you were commissioner at Sky and you commissioned at 60 shows, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and now you've gone uh-huh. Your other way, and you've got set up your own production company, Yellow Door Productions. Mm-hmm. Such which an idiot! <laughs> I was paid
2: really well. Had a really nice, cushy job, and I fucking left him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, we'll, ta- we'll talk a bit about more about why you why you did that in a minute. But what what attracts you to a project? Like when you were a commissioner, or any yeah, what what is it that attracts you to a project?
2: Um, I think it's different now than it was as a commissioner. So as a commissioner, you're, pay, you're paid to, to really share out the pieces of pie with, with talented people. And I, with the BBC and Sky, I, I commissioned for a lot of channels. So you couldn't have your own private channel that you had your own taste flying. You know, I, I have got some favorites. One might be up there. <laughs> Um, but uh, I, was really, I was really conscious of, of not being too slavish to my own tastes, yeah. because that is not the job of a commissioner. But you have to have a bit of that going on, otherwise how can you do the job and have a kind of quality control going on? Um, so, so a lot of it was trusting, uh, trust, 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 you'll hear that word a lot, that, that I, I would trust the, the, um, the producers coming to pitch. And, uh, and, and really the writers as well. And quite often it was almost looking to the whites of their eyes and being sure that they had a burning desire to make the show because any show yeah. takes about two years to make. And, and it would really piss me off if I felt that, if I said no to something, they'd go, all right, that's fine, I've got another one. And you go, no, no, I want you to really believe in the thing that you're, you're pitching. It, it kind of mattered a lot to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, as a producer now it I can be a bit more personal. I think I have to be again long journeys. you go on with people to make these shows um, so you really need to to really like the people you're working with. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so it's a really basic thing, but like people um, and uh, and I suppose i've got obviously got an eye on where I can pitch it, where I can sell it, and where the opportunities are otherwise you you might as well be working in an indie film sort of way which is fine do that as well but when it comes to tv yeah be be don't waste people's time don't raise hopes when you kind of know that you're joining a huge queue for the channel four single camera you know show that 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 is very of, in vogue at the moment mm-hmm. um, so so that yeah um, but it is just it's spark it's quite personal it's making sure that i would watch the show yeah. that I'm about to spend two years of my life on.
0: Do you know in a few like minutes that you want something? Or
2: Yeah, I think I do it. Do, yeah, arrogantly. Yeah. yeah. I think I do now. Yeah.
0: And has there been anything that you've took a that you've kind of gone, I want this, we're gonna do it, but but other people didn't get it quite until Probably it the feels. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe at oh, the really? beginning. Maybe at the beginning, yeah.
2: Um, so this is the show that Which, Diane's in.
0: So how did that come about, then, the Cockfields?
2: Um, so uh, I met Joe and... Da- Joe Wilkinson and David Earl, who wrote Rovers for, for me when I was at Sky. Um, and uh, when I left, um, I got in touch with them and said, um, I'd love to do your next thing. So um, they had they'd already had the script... Um, and uh, I said I absolutely loved it. And uh, we, we talked about where to play it, uh, place it rather, and talked to a few people, and UKTV really quickly came back and said um, we love it. I think, I think they love that it was about family, um that it was it's set in the isle of Wight. that felt very fresh that sort of island mentality yeah, i
0: come of Wight, so i know, how <laughs> I know it's, it's a good it's a
2: great <laughs> lens to put britishness to see britishness and um i suppose the kind of multi-generational clash it, it is about joe joe's character simon who takes his his girlfriend uh, to the girlfriend's met the girlfriend. Yeah, um <laughs> has met uh, parents before, but never been to the Isle of Wight. So it's a, it's kind of a sort of bit of a meet the parents, but um, a sort of gentler portrait of what does it feel like to take your girlfriend, who you really, really want it to go well with, back home, and your your folks behave worse than they did when you were a kid, mm-hmm. um, and. And when your real dad, played by Nigel Havers brilliantly, uh, sort of shows up, and it's all heading towards a fairly awkward fortieth birthday lunch for Joe Wilkinson's character,
0: Um, and it goes out in a in a couple of months. Yeah, which is exciting. But you said. But, so UKTV loved it. Did yeah. you take it to some people and it was, and they didn't quite get it then? I think you, gonna... you
2: know, it's it's uh, it's not the three gags per page. You know, it's it's that, and that's the thing in comedy we talk about a lot. Is is it's really beautifully observed. Um, it, it's stuff that you know, often you get uh, made to do a read through. I'd say something like this is really difficult to do in a in a kind of neon strip office room <laughs> where. People have really got to use their imagination of how the timing's gonna work mm-hmm. and where the camera's gonna be. So uh, they're a little harder to sell. Um, and uh, also, also it took us a wh- bit of time to find Bobby Ball, Sue Johnson. So great, cut, yeah, great so, so, so it's sort of like this little jigsaw puzzle was forming, but it took a little time for, I, I think, those things to kind of come together and gel. And I'm glad it did actually, because it's better for it yeah they they spent a lot more time with this family and uh, really, really honed honed the scripts uh, and they're incredibly detailed uh, their attention to details incredibly impressive. and you know, I learned a lot about how how hard it is. you know it's a lot of drafts and 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 big changes. They had some big big comedy set pieces that actually they thought. Would possibly um, not feel truthful, and truth sort of ran through everything that we talked about, and in fact, everything that's happened in the show happened to De- either David or Joe or, or one of their partner partners. So they've all got they've all got connections to the Isle of Wight, um, and so truth you've got to kind of hold on to truth because sometimes it's not the most obvious set piece gag, um, but within it within it there's something very delicious, totally unique that goes on because truth is unique yeah. so um, so all of that adds to something nuanced and well I'm very very proud of it I think they've done a fantastic yeah, job
0: and so just let's touch on then what, what made you make the move from yeah. being a commissioner award-winning uh, commissioner it's uh, a great I'll reputation really
2: simply uh, i think i just exhausted doing that sort of job which has got arms length relationship with with the shows and it's gr- it's a lovely job it's great don't get me wrong but um it, you only i don't know it's not that creatively rewarding um and uh, i really wanted to to have a bit of risk but but um but get closer to shows and and feel like can sort of you know uh, i was very involved with that show, whereas I was lightly involved with hundreds of titles and uh, ultimately not that, that doesn't, that's not something I'm, it's not a legacy that I'm that, you know, it's great, it's great, don't get me wrong, but it's not rewarding for me.
0: And how, I mean this is about finding the funny, Joe, because I know Joe, he told me that when you were filming on the Isle of Wight, the weather was pretty rubbish a lot of the time so how do you as a producer like find the funny when there's adverse (laughs) weather conditions well funnily (laughs) enough it
2: really helped in some cases so there's a tiny clip of when the nigel havers um winds down the window and of course that all that's meant to have happened you know around a car but they were meant to get out of the car sunny day the rooftops open And in fact, we had a fantastic moment. (laughs) You won't forget that day. (laughs) Huddled under the umbrellas. It was
1: pouring down. But Weirdly, when you look at that clip now, you can't even see the rain. Yeah. So it looks like...
2: Well, they're all sort of dry and cosy in their posh car. And... The noise of the umbrella of the rain on the umbrellas and huddled, uh, no offer to kind of I don't know. Do you want to <laughs> step out of the rain? <laughs> so so obviously it's it is quite tough because you've got to really work around something like that. But um, it's it's also ads. Yeah yeah.
0: And then how do you find the kind of writing talent that you work with? Like if people want to get a write God, all, break, how do they get? Genuinely,
2: it? all sorts of ways. I mean, I. I I do read unsolicited scripts. Um, I don't often. I'm not able to answer immediately, but I really try to because you never know where the next good things are going to come from. Uh, A lot of talkative to agents, so uh, I'll I'll, um, sort of have my agents I I talk to and see who's around, and just I suppose trying to communicate what my taste is. And the more shows I make, the clearer that becomes. I think it was really tough when I first started. I was going. I don't really know what my taste is. <laughs> I've got to figure this out. But the more you do, you're sort of getting a bit of a brand going. Um, and yeah, I, it's interesting. There, there are lots of nice connections. You make one show and then you make a connection and it, it sort of spreads like that. Uh, so, but I, I, what I love about comedy, I never know one, what what the next thing's going to be. Yeah. Um, I'd never narrow down my, you know, I'm not just looking for family. It would be insane to say that. So keep your eyes open and... Comedy's comedy.
0: Yeah. And do you work quite closely with the writers? Like, Do you help them hone their sort of comedic...?
2: It depends on what, what that writer wants, uh, what they need. I mean, some writers have the beginnings of an idea. So I've got, got someone I'm working with, but she, we both figured out, after a couple of months of us having a go, she, she said, I, I want to work with another writer. So I'll, I'll make, I've made those marriages work where, where it was required. But then you get Joe and David coming along, and they've written together before. They very much know what they're doing. So I will be possibly a little bit more removed and give them more like... Or more like a commissioner's sort of notes. Yeah, Okay. Uh, So it's a very, very light touch. They, They don't need me to tell them how to write their show. But I will be that kind of bridge between between them and the the dreaded broadcaster, because yeah. you, you want to keep those two things apart for the creativity to fly.
0: Was it weird you going to commissioners?
2: Very weird. <laughs> I had to get over that really quick, yeah. I was talking to what, what I used to do. I know. Was, yeah.
0: But then you must know what they're kind of thinking. I know. As well as, yeah, you've just
2: got to get on with it, really, yeah. don't you? Yeah, it was quite weird.
0: Okay, brilliant. Thank you, Lucy. Now, Nida, so you have had your um, Channel 4 pilot, Lady Parts, commissioned for a full series now.
3: Where did you get your inspiration for that? Uh, uh, my inspiration. Um, I think, you know, as I started off as a, as a new writer and I was getting called in for like general meetings um, to sort of explore what it means to be a Muslim woman. And, you know, I was kind of basically being asked to write about honor killings. And it was a bit weird because I was like, I do comedy, it's like my short films were all comedy, but like there was clearly been some call out where they needed some like honor killing writer. (laughs) (laughs) And it was kind of annoying. And I was like, that's uncool, man. Um, So I was like, okay, fine. If I'm going to be asked to look at the fact that I'm a Muslim woman and that identity, how would I do that? Mm -hmm. And it would be um, through the medium of comedy. Um, So I sort of came up with this idea. I sort of grew up playing guitar and wanting to be a musician as well. So yeah, so it kind of was born out of slight annoyance, um, but also it was cool because it made me think like, okay, this part of my identity, if I was going to look at it, how would I do that? Mm -hmm. Um, And it really made me go for the comedy because I hadn't written I've written like, you know when you say comedy-drama, just in case it isn't that funny, you can be like, well, that's a drama (laughs) beat, guys. (laughs) Um, So with this, I was like, oh, screw it. You know, I'm just going to be like, this is going to be as funny as I can make it because I really want it to be great and this is going to just put it all in. Um, So yeah, it sort of was born out of of that. You know, it's personal in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. sort of exploring different parts of my identity, um, which is what makes it kind of extra scary to write about, um, but also extra exciting. Because it's it has that element of personal in there.
0: And how did you go about casting it? Were there any of the cast members that you knew that you knew wanted to be you wanted to have in there? Or?
3: No, um, I had a really great casting director who I'd worked with on um, Enterprise, which I directed, yeah. I hadn't written, and House of Diaries, and her name is Aisha Bywater. She was brilliant, and I just really kind of worked with her closely in terms of like what each you know when you're doing an ensemble comedy, it's so much about the chemistry between a group, and this is. For five people, so um, you know, really working with her, and we did a lot of like chemistry tests between the actors. Um, and then there's an additional element of the music, which was really important that they could convincingly play the instruments. None of them actually play um, the instruments that they're playing, but they kind of quickly picked it up. And yeah, there was, there was quite a lot of elements in Um, We got quite lucky, and you know, my casting director was brilliant to work with. And we found great people.
0: And how? So you? I mean, as you said, you've kind of directed other people's Mm. writing before. How different is it when you're directing something that you've written?
3: Um, How different is? Is it because you know I started off doing short films, which were my own as a writer-director. So I'd kind of figured out what I wanted to say, and then and then I'd sort of gone and done um, directed. For sort of writer performers, um, and that just really was incredible because it really pushes your collaborative collaborative spirit, which mm. I think is so important. If you are a writer director, um, it's really great to direct somebody else's um, piece, especially if they're a writer performer. It's really theirs in terms of like their world, so it's really serving serving their vision in a lot of ways. So yeah. it sort of pushes it pushed my it pushed my scope. So working with Coyote, for example, he's really physical um, in his comedy. Whereas I'm quite dialogue based and then I just kind of, it just expanded a whole new world of comedy that I hadn't looked at. Um, and you know, working with Ambreen for Hounslow Diaries, she, her, her comedy voice is different, so it's, and my sort of visual taste is different. Mm-hmm. But finding out what she needed, it just sort of, it was just like learning and growing. Um, and it really made me, when you do direct something for someone else, which isn't your vision, it sort of really can clarify what your vision is. Yeah. So when I did Lady Parts, I, I like kind of knew Really clearly, like my references and what I wanted it to look like, and how I wanted the performances to be, and and but just having done other comedies, it like it really made me find my, it helped me find my my voice. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. Did you change think? Do you change things when you're on set or not? Is it like I've written it? That's no, how it's coming. I mean I
3: change mostly. You know, I do if I can have some rehearsal. I do, I do really enjoy having so that rehearsal time to kind of tailor the voices of the characters to the actors as much as I can. Yeah. Because I feel like that's when it's really singing. Um, so I try and do that um, in rehearsal rather than on set. Just because it's weird. I've come from doing short films and like low budget stuff. So it's not like you have lots of time on set. Mm-hmm. So when I'm on set, I like, I like it that you know we know what we're doing. But obviously, the more prepped you are, the more freedom you can have on set to change things. because You just feel more in control of stuff. Um, but, you know, I really like to find it and like, have the freedom to play in rehearsal.
0: Yeah. Great. Brilliant. I can't wait to watch it. Thanks. So, Diane, now as you.
3: Um, so, obviously,
0: you've been in the Cockfields. You've been in so many different things. Um, and we're going to go on to Mandy, which you've written, um, starring and directed as well. What attracts you to the roles that you're performing in, first of all? So, what attracts you to those? Um,
1: uh, well, I think it's been different with each thing. Uh, so it depends what which what you're talking about. But so, uh,
0: but is there's not like a is it because you said you like playing oddballs? Is it always yeah? Of an well, character? I it,
1: I always read a script and then think, can I bring anything to this character rather than um, is this a part I would really like to play? Yeah, because I think could I, you know, because the, there's been I've read great scripts where I've thought it's a great part, but I I know. It, I couldn't do it justice. I know someone else could do it better. But if I think yeah, I think I could bring something different to this, then then that's what I like. I like to do. If I think someone else could do it
0: yeah uh, better than well, yeah, yeah, I'd do it. Do it. Um, what about so Philomena Kunk? Yeah. Um, so she kind of emerged through Screen Wipe. How did how did she come about as a character? Well, uh,
1: Charlie, Charlie wanted a sort of female... There's a character on, on Screenwrap called uh, Barry Shippies. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he wanted a sort of female Barry Shippease. So my agent rang me up one day and said, um, do you know the show Screenwipe?" And I said, oh, my God, do I know it? It's like my favourite programme. And, and they said, well, do you know this character Barry Shippease? I said, yes, Barry Shippease. And they said, well, they want a sort of female Barry Shippease. And I said, oh, fantastic. Right. Yeah, I know. I know exactly uh, the tone and everything. So they sent me the script. And I re- they wanted it in a sort of posh accent with an upward inflection, a sort of annoying posh accent. Okay. Uh, hence Philomena Conk. The name went with this sort of accent. Yeah. But um, when I got there, I just felt like... Because I practiced it a few times and I practiced it once in my own Bolton accent and just thought it, it sounded funnier for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> so I, when I got to the audition, I did it in my best posh and then said, which I'd never done before because I never had the balls to say, actually, can I do that again and can I do it in my own accent? What made it different this time, do you think? This time, I really believed it was funnier. Yeah. And I really thought, if they hear this... <laughs> they'll see the difference. Yeah. I really felt like... So, they said, mm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, okay. And uh, I did it. And then, and then the actual... My audition, they used it in the show. Oh, so they were like, that's that, That's it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it's fine. We'll just pop it in the show as it is. <laughs> yeah. But I'd really... I really wanted it. You know, yeah. I was like an X Factor contestant. <laughs> they saw the White of in your eyes. Going, I, I want this, but yeah. this is for me, you yeah. know. And uh, when I got it, I was, uh, I, I think I broke down and cried oh. <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> yeah,
0: and that changed everything for yeah. me. Yeah. And then, obviously, so what, were there any sort of challenges moving from Screenwriting to her, on Britain? <laughs> <which> yes. <Yeah. is, laughs> how did that kind of play out? How different was it? Or did you, do you have a lot to do with the script itself, or...? Only the improvised bits, like
1: the interviews, which are always my favourite bits. Because then you can, you know, you can make people say anything. (laughs) (laughs) If you sort of lull them into a false sense of security with some nice, easy questions. Because those interviews, they're cut down to four minutes, but they're at least an hour. Some of them are two two hours long. (laughs) So the first half hour is just making them feel secure and... This is going to be easy. And then by the end, you can ask them any old bullshit. And they're, <laughs> they're, because they're on TV and it's too late to kind of throw the microphone <laughs> off and storm out. So they just go, yes, and agree to, you know, saying any old thing. They're always my favourite bits. Do you prepare
0: for them? Like how, Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Like,
1: I try and... Try and uh, Preempt how they might answer, because you never know how they might answer. Yeah. And I try and preempt them, well, they'll probably say this, in which case I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I do a lot of that. A lot of it is just looking bored in the moment. <laughs>
0: which is good. Yeah, which is great fun. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's talk about Mandy next. So, so you've written Mandy, um, mm. it's on iPlayer. Um, so you've written it, directed it, and started it. How did Mandy come about?
1: Well, weirdly, it came about because uh, I'd, I'd met this woman. And, uh, <laughs> did she you, did you have a mouth like, no. no, <laughs> no, like that? Yeah, uh, she's not like that. And I remembered it. I thought she was such a great character. <laughs> that Then um, Joe Wilkinson and David L wrote Rovers, and they wrote a part... Uh, and said, would you play this part? And I read it and I said, I, I don't think I can play this part. But I have got this other character <laughs> <laughs> that I've been working on. Yeah. And could I do that? So they were like, oh, well, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> so I, I showed them what it was and, and explained and they said, all right. Yeah. So they they wrote that part in and I got to do Mandy in in their show Rovers. Yeah. So I sort of had a, a I've already had a go at playing the part, and I really enjoyed it, but, but Rovers didn't get a second series, sadly, uh, even though it was brilliant. And um, so, uh, so then when I got the opportunity to do the pilot, I thought I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revive that character Yeah, and, uh, and play that part again. And where
0: did you get the idea of her being so obsessed with us so far? I don't know, it just popped into my head. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I get transfixed
1: with things myself, do you you know, like, like a jumper or something. I think that'll change my life if I buy that jumper.
0: <laughs> I think women do get a bit like that. Uh, and what about, uh, how do you go about getting the cast? I mean, you've got some great cameos in there, like yeah, and Carol Decker.
1: And, uh, Al Green was in that. Yeah, the, the he was in Thorne. sales uh, assistant is one of my best mates and he's the one of the funniest people I've ever met. If you follow him on Twitter, he's, he's brilliant, isn't he? He's so good. Uh, so it was great that I was able to go, oh I can put him in there, yeah. I can, you know, use that person. It's really exciting to be able to, you know, use people that you really
0: rate. Yeah. And then did were you a uh T'Pau fan? Is that where you're? Yeah, mean? Oh, who, who is it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she did seem fun to work with. How is it how was it for you then? Have, like writing and you directed it yeah. and you are in it. How What's that yeah. experience like? I, I, I really
1: enjoyed it, but it was only 15 minutes, yeah. so I imagine it would be much harder to do in half an hour. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I've always sort of been in things and thought, oh, if I was the director, I'd film it from that angle and I'd mm. I'd have that character come in there and I'd, I'd sort of fantasise about how I would do it. Mm. So when I got the opportunity, I was just sort of... Uh, you know, my, my mouth was watering thinking of what, how, I could, how I could do it, you know. Yeah. And I think it's much easier to direct something if you've written it. I don't know if you've found that. Because you know how you want it to be. It's not like uh, I'm a director who's got to take another writer's script and think, no, I've got to work out what they want. Yeah. I know what, you know, so there's a sort of shortcut to
0: how you see it. So, in a way, it makes it easier. And would you, so do you think that that's the start of how you want to work now? Do you think you're going yeah, yeah. to... Yeah, I'd love
1: to do more, you know. Um, I'm surprised at how many sort of writers are cut out of the process, uh, uh, especially with a lot of comedy shows, that they're not not involved, not invited on set even. And you think if it's their idea, yeah. you know, they're, they're, the best things, I think, are always... The, or where the writers are invited to, to have input into how it should look, Yeah, I think.
0: And you worked with Joe a lot, obviously, and you did yeah. Cockfields with him. Yeah. How was that? How was, how was the experience? Because you worked with him a lot of times. How was it playing this new character? He said you kept getting obsessed with the dogs. You kept, he said you were obsessed easy. with dogs. Yeah, there was a dog on set,
1: and, uh, but look, Border Terrier, I bloody loved it. <laughs> um, but because I know Joe, I've known him, like, you know, over 20 years and uh we we had to kiss each other in it so that was a bit creepy you did
2: more than that
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was so it was, yeah I had to be in bed with him and it was, it was like being in bed with your
0: brother was you know? <laughs> just wrong have you seen that back yet or no
1: no i haven't uh. no i haven't seen any of it apart from the trailer and a few little tiny clips
0: if you see the bed scene soon <laughs> uh. Uh, but how are we doing for time because i know that we've got all... We've got the opportunity for audience questions. Do we know how we're how we doing?
2: Um, we've got about 25 minutes
0: Does anyone Has anyone got any questions? I mean, I've got more questions, but if anyone's got any questions, I don't know. Okay, there's a guy there.
2: Hi there. Um, I've got a question. Do you guys have any tips for developing a cor- comedy character once you've like, found your weirdo or whoever's okay. strolled into your mind? Um,
1: so probably the vice... It's quite important starting with a voice, I always think, because then you, you do the voice and sort of other things naturally occur, like um, with Mandy, the mouth. Once you do once you do the sort of accent that, and then, then the mouth sort of comes with it and then, then you get other sort of mannerisms. <laughs> it's sort of like it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think that happened with Philomena as well. Once I started doing that, it, it sort of grew and grew and it grows. It sort of grows of its own a if it's, if it's a good character, I think it gets bigger and more sort of three-dimensional. Have you got one in mind?
2: Yeah.
3: Oh, good. <laughs> Is it a comedy character for you to play yourself? or?
2: Um, I think probably wouldn't be wise, but... Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's, just, it's interesting because you get... I mean, you meet, everyone meets weird people in their day-to-day, yeah. but sometimes fleshing them out can be... Yeah. And fleshing them out in the right way... Yeah. Uh, God, Mike uh, And
1: and some people seem seem like they'd make a great character, but then when you try and do it, it doesn't sort of falls apart, you know. Or some people, you don't want it to become a complete stereotype, you know. Mm-hmm. It's nice if it's a little bit different.
3: I always see if we can like write a monologue in their voice, because sometimes I'd write, a, you know. My, my main character, Amina, she speaks to camera, and I was I could just write her mm. monologuing forever. And then I was monologuing with other characters as well who don't go into their voiceover. So like, I feel like if you could take a, any like subject matter and have that character talk about it and just see, just kind yeah. of mm. how would they monologue about you know Brexit or whatever it is. And if it's like really fun for you to write, if you're like really enthused by it, then you're like yeah yeah. Like, oh, or if you could
1: put them good. in a different situation mm. and you know what how they'd react. Yeah.
0: How they react to things in different
3: situations. Yeah. Good advice. The lady there. Hi there. Um, I just wanted to say, this is just such an incredible panel. Um, three women in comedy talking about it. And it's what's brilliant is the diversity. You've got the cockfields with its idea of Britishness, and then you've got Lady Parts, which is also um, a fantastic representation of what Britishness is like. Nida, what was it like selling your idea, particularly as you, you, you touched on it, the idea of what it's like to live as a Muslim, it's honor killings, it could be terrorism, it could be women trapped and enslaved. Mm-hmm. So what was it like talking to different commissioners, different channels, and saying, actually, <laughs> there's another side which is just as British as maybe, you know, life in the Isle of Wight, maybe in a certain, in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's a mixed bag out there. Um, you know, I won't name names, but some people, you know, for some channels and broadcasters, it just was like a hard pass. Like oh no, Um, which is fair, you know. Everyone has their their vibes, and I think it's really about the individuals, individual commissioners within um, the broadcasters. That if you like really chime with them, or if they really get it, you know. I was quite, I was just like oh god, this isn't going to go anywhere. But then at Channel Four, you know, um, the commissioners there just really were supportive and incredible in a way that I, you know, was really really didn't expect and. And and then you know it's it's been the case with other things, it's finding the right home for shows, and it's exciting because there's more and more homes coming out, which is also scary because it's like the wild west out there with all the kind of new on demand stuff. But um, but yeah, Lady Parts is you know people like it's very Channel (laughs) Four with its sort of Muslim punk thing, um, which is cool. Like you know that's a hook. That is, is fine, but I know that behind that is something real and something I really want to talk about. So, um, you know, I think, yeah, it's just like finding the right, the right people within the, the broadcasters and getting those sort of real connections outside just the sort of pitching. It's like, do they get your show? Will they be giving the kind of notes that you want to get, especially when you're writing something about identity or you know, characters that you don't see that much on screen and you sort of want to make sure that the people who are commissioning it aren't going to throw curveballs at you, you know. Yeah, the relationships are very
0: important. Has yeah. anyone else got any questions? <laughs> There's a lady there.
3: Thank you. Um, Diana, you've already spoken to this a little bit, but I'm interested in what all three of you uh, what would say. Um, and Nita, as a as a with your director's hat on, and Diana with your actress hat on, and, and Lucy your producer's hat on. When you're sent a script, or if a script came to you, what are you hoping that you'd find in it? What what would get you excited? What when 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 yeah, someone sends you a script, what are you looking for in terms of sparking something for you?
2: Um, well, I suppose I I'll probably read read the most scripts maybe, um, and I have done across my career, um, and I think it is actually simple. I think within within a, a minute or so, it's something that surprises you and you haven't seen before. Um, because I wouldn't say it's like I have to instantly fall in love with characters. That kind of c- can come. It's more, what is the essence of this writer and where is their the kind of wit and surprise? And it's really nice to be tripped up and, um, you know, uh, I don't know. That I thought this would go down this avenue, and they've gone. Ah, oh, they've they've gone and they've gone and completely thrown me by what they've just done. And that I think just hooks in your reader really quickly. And I do think there's a little, you get sort of three minutes in order to to play with your reader. But it, if if you can get that, and then I I do I mean I yeah I kind of think a lot of people say likable characters. I, I I've learnt that it isn't that because I can get to know a character. If I'm curious, um, I-, I will find out what is going to engage me about a <coughs> character. It doesn't have to have please like written on it from the get-go. So yeah, it's something you haven't seen before. And and that level of wit, I think. Yeah. Diane, uh, do you want to answer? You-
0: uh,
1: well, um... I guess you said when you... Yeah, a funny script, you know, because it's rare that you read a script and you laugh out loud. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, a funny script and a part that I think I can do
3: justice to. That's what I look for anyway. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, similarly, I think as a director, it's like if I find it funny, it's kind of a very simple thing, but a lot of really funny things I don't find funny um, (laughs) because, you know, humour is very um, personal, I think. and so even when you have like really exciting cast, and you're just like, uh, I can't, I don't find this funny. It's just like you won't be able to deliver the goods because it is funny, and somebody else will find it hilarious. So it's not for you. And it's also kind of knowing your limitations. <laughs> for me, as as a director, if it's a story, I feel I like connect to, you know, enterprises about two young men from Elephant and Castle, but I could connect to it um, because I found it really funny, and it's something about otherness that I could really connect to. So it's like finding a way in, and if it chimes.
0: Yeah. With my comedy sensibility as yeah.
2: well. Yeah. There's a question down here. Yeah, my question's for Diane. Um, so when it comes to directing and performing, how does that like how is that what's that process look like before you get on set and when you're on set? And how do you make that work so that you can... How do you yeah. switch between the two roles?
1: Yeah, I think, I think everyone else was a bit worried about that as well. <laughs> but um, there was a lot of running back and looking at the monitor and going, OK, and then going back and... Do, there's a lot of that. But like I said, if, if you've written a thing, it does make it easier for you to, to, to see it back and go, yeah, that's what I wanted, or no, that's completely wrong. So you know straight away whether you've got it or not. So that helps. That your question.
2: Did you work with any like other directors in developing it? Uh, no, directors? no, okay.
1: I didn't. Wow. No, no, it's just um, Great. yeah. I mean, I mean, Pete Rowe uh, was the DOP. He was brilliant. Mm-hmm. So there, there was occasionally I, I'd, I'd say, can I do this? And he'd be like, mm, it might be better if you shoot it like this. Mm-hmm. And Oh, okay. Just because mm-hmm. I'm an idiot, and I haven't. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what I'm doing yet. Mm-hmm. But I, I just enjoy doing it and hopefully I'll, I'll learn more as I go on. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Great. Right,
0: thank you. Any more questions? Another um,
2: I guess this is a question primarily for Lucy, but might also be nice to get writer's perspective. Um, when you have read a script that you liked and presumably you have the writer in, how far do you like them to have thought ahead um, with regards to a series and ideas past the pilot or...
1: Merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Actually, it's quite interesting. It depends on what it is. It's actually quite nice to that they haven't thought too far ahead, because you can um, feel you can contribute. And I suppose, it, yeah, it's worth bearing in mind. The producers looking to kind of get involved a little bit, hopefully in a good way. Um, and I've seen, I've been, I've been sent like a, a really glossy, perfectly formed pilot. So I says, do you want to take this on? I go. You don't need me, you, you've done it all. So it, it, you're kind of looking for a project where you can be useful to this person and help bridge a gap. Um, and then and then working it out together is, is really rewarding. Remember, I'm on the rebound of having never been allowed those sort of conversations. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really kind of hungry for it and excited by those moments. Um, you know, it's working on, a, on the puzzle together you you have to work with the writer really to be able to to go into that commissioner and confidently say what what is what is planned out. So that quiet kind of checking in with each other before that project, that really needs to have happened, and then the, then you're you're really getting someone ready for that next stage where, as an ex commissioner, you know you are looking for that confidence that that person has 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 a plan, you're about to part with quite a lot of money so you definitely want to make sure that, that it's not just sort of one series planned, you've got, there are a couple more in, you know, in the works. So, yeah. But the beginning is it's kind of fun figuring it out together.
3: Um, I have a thought on that because um, when I was pitching Lady Parts, I'd I kind of developed, um, before I sort of got off on found home for it with a producer and when I was pitching it, just going, um, when I was having meetings, I'd sort of written a whole sort of, s- very sort of sketchy, like six episode breakdown of the entire series because it was something I really cared about and I wanted to make and I was really like, had a clear vision for and um, and I found that really whether or not you actually go and you speak about it. But I found that just really to like prove to myself that this is what I'm going to back. And like, does it have legs? Is it something that I want to, can I do it? You know, it's even a fun exercise to be like, is it going to have like a big sort of serial arc or is it like mm-hmm. story of the week? Like making me, doing, having doing that exercise really made me think like, what even is this when I go in? You know, having just whether or not you share that or, you know, in case a producer wants a bit more from you um, and you know, wants to like see that you've thought it out. It's sometimes useful to have done it. Or, you know, if they say, oh, what about something like this? Like, oh, in F3, I was thinking of doing it. It's really it just kind of puts you in a p- more powerful position. Um, and and I had not done that before. With Abox, I'd done a proper document. Again, it was because I was like, I fucking love this and I want it to be like this. Here it is. Like, this is it. You know, either you're on board with this or because when you have the dialogue, which is also really great, you know, if, it's, if you have a really clear idea and you know you want it to be this, um, it's helpful to, to have things also mm. fleshed out a bit more. Um, but it sort of depends on the idea.
0: Yeah. Any more questions? Yep. OK, so it's mainly for uh, Lucy. Aside from just being passionate, what do you feel like your experience as a commissioner and a producer makes a good pitch? You know especially for those of us who are writers who are very new in the industry and might be going into those first experiences um what you know kind of triggered in your mind when you hear heard them this is someone that seems like they've already got something together
2: um gosh, with lots of different things, but I think um i th- I th- I'm going to try and avoid the word passion because you said I'm not. I'm not allowed to use that <laughs> word. Um, but but I think what I'll tell you, my if I'm sort of evolving my brand and taste, the uh, Cockfields is so autobiographical, and uh, I, a lot of a lot of the things I commissioned had that e- element to them, um, and and. It doesn't have to be purely autobiographical, but if you have the same feeling that happens with autobiography where you, you are the one to write this, no one else could. You've got real specifics. You've got, you know the details of this world. Uh, details in comedy are the thing that will separate your characters from being cliches or stereotypes. Um, I think that's, that's what I'm really, really drawn to. And, and when I say I think that's what a commissioner loves as well. So when I when I was at Sky, we get pitched so many things, but there was one show which ended up being trolled, which was our supermarket sitcom. Um, but it came to us really from from a writer called Anne Marie O'Connor, who um, didn't have a huge track record, but she'd worked in supermarkets, and it was actually her that that convinced me that we've got a kernel to this idea There will not be what this show could be—a kind of I don't know, on, on some, you know, something that just feels too ensemble and too generic. Um, it, it, ha- it really came from a, a, a sort of love for that world. That mm-hmm. world had been her family for, for years, rather than, I suppose, a brilliant comedy writer who had, knew, knew their craft very well, but hadn't been in Warrington in, 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 in that supermarket for that amount of time. And and I'm really drawn to those sorts of pictures myself. And I and I think I think I don't think I'm completely unique. Um, it it uh, oh God, it's right what you know. Yeah. But um, but but it, it comes al- comes alive in the conversation. A pitch, remember, is a conversation. You know, you are just trying to engage this other person with what you love and this these people that you know better than anyone else. And that's that's what I think for me. I I love.
0: Great you
2: got any more questions? Oh yes, we've got a lady there. Thank you. Um, just a
1: quick question for Diane. I'm just keen to know if there's going to be any more comecom Britain because I'm not allowed to say. Oh, <laughs> brilliant! Should be taught in school.
0: Sorry. It should be taught in it school. Should, Makes be? history yeah, more interesting. The war. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> any more questions? Yeah, you, you don't need a mic, dear. Um, Lucy, that, are you doing any more directing of your own stuff? And congratulations on your short. Oh, thank
2: you very much. Um, not at the moment, because running the company's... <laughs> I love it. I moved idea. to be more creative, and that's like now I'm really, really busy with it. Anyway, no, it's all good. It's all good. Um, but yeah, I really want to, actually. So it's about finding a bit of funding and carving out a bit of time. Yeah. But it's hugely enjoyable. It is the best bit of the job.
0: Thank you. I think that's about all we've got time for. But Nida, Diane, Lucy, thank you very much
3: indeed. Thanks for joining us and remember, you can listen to previous BAFTA sessions and podcasts at guru.bafta.org.